Welcome to Go Gift Yourself with Natanya Ruth. It was still like, oh, I need the safety net. And then I had a bunch of things happen, loss of family members. And then my partner was diagnosed with cancer and it was stage four and it was fast and it took him. And that was profoundly impactful. You know, I, there was no more reason to fake what I wanted anymore because life is just too damn short for that. Mm. Um, and I have three children who need to make their way in life eventually. And I need to be the example for them about how to live authentically. Yes, yes. I'm so excited to be back sharing with you, Natanya Ruth here. And we're back, it's autumn, it's the momentum of doership, change, things are moving quickly, and I'm excited to come back to you with new content, new offerings, new gifts, new shares. And this week, I'm so excited to be sharing with you the gift of cellular transitions with a beautiful soul, multidisciplinary artist, improviser, astrologer, Benita Oliver. And Benita and I actually got to know each other decades ago at the Berkshire Theatre Festival in Stockbridge, Massachusetts, where we worked together on plays, we did tech design, mostly we just got into trouble and became instant friends. And time and space took our lives in different directions. But when I saw on social media all the amazing work that she's doing in New York and the incredible transformational journey of her life, being a single mom of three kids after having lost her partner suddenly to stage four cancer, and the ways in which she shows up as an artist, as a mom, um, as an activist, and as an incredible creative soul. I knew that I wanted to highlight her voice and her offerings here on Go Gift Yourself, and I'm so honored that she agreed to be part of this. Um, Benita Oliver utilizes multiple mediums as a performance artist and improviser. Her work is about transitions, the process of moving through. Benita creates deeply emotional body and space concept art through voice, music, environmental soundscapes, and movement. The motivation is to heal personal and ancestral trauma in order to make way for discovery and connection. The mission is to engage community through ritual, co-creation, education, and activism. Her process is in the moment and responds to stimuli, be it internal or external, through embodiment and interaction. Her live works exhibit this process in real time. Benita 
who also performs under the name of French Leave, is originally from Springfield, Massachusetts. She was a mentee of cultural influencer and historian Ujwana Hood and is now a member of the board for PAMUSA, the museum Miss Hood founded. Currently, Benita is an artist in residence at Loisida Incorporated, located on the Lower East Side of New York City. As an astrologer, Benita has been practicing for over 24 years and gives one-on-one readings on a case-by-case basis. You can find out more about Benita's upcoming project, Seeking Truth, at httploisida.org backslash seeking hyphen truth. And if you're interested in receiving an astrological reading from Benita, you can reach out to her email at neptuneboundastrology at yahoo.com for more info. You can also find out more about Benita at www.benitaoliver.com and all of this information will be in the liner notes of this episode. And just one more thing I wanted to share about Benita's other stage name, French Leave. This is a little tidbit she shared with me. I took on the name because I wanted to honor my brilliant ancestors. French Leave was a term used by folks to regard those who leave a party without saying goodbye to the hosts. It was then adopted as a code term used by those who were enslaved when they were going to run to freedom on a given night or after someone had taken their leave. Because of the ancestral rituals I perform, during which we consider not only the traumas passed down through the generations, but the gifts too, I thought French leave a fitting name. It just shows how clever and creative these people were. It also suits my somewhat stealthy nature. I like to work in private. I can often stay in my home for days just working on a creative project. That's where the foundation is laid, in my private space. Then I open up for collaborative performance. Such an exceptional soul, an exceptional artist, and I'm so excited to share this wonderful conversation about cellular transitions and more with my dear friend, Benita Oliver. Yay! (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing your time and spirit and wisdom with me and with everyone listening. Um, I'm so honored to share time together today with Benita Oliver, and she's going to be sharing with us about the gift of cellular transitions and how this theme and concept is showing up in her work and her life. And um, Benita is a multidisciplinary artist, improviser, and astrologer. And I'm so honored to reconnect with you after decades. Thank you for this invitation to be here and to share, and I really appreciate you. Ooh, chills everywhere. So um, <laughs> Benita and I met like 20, I don't know, forever ago. More than that ago. Like it was 20 years ago. Oh, shoot. That was actually 40. No, it was like, it was like 
30 years ago or so, whatever, a long ass time ago in Western yes. working at the Berkshire Theater Festival and mm -hmm. we were instant besties and yes i remember i remember walking around like literally shoulder to shoulder attached saying we are the twins <laughs> like walking up to people freaking them out with our weirdness <laughs> <laughs> yes and um and we realized just now before we started recording that we actually were living basically as neighbors in New York in Harlem around the same time and didn't actually know that we were again almost shoulder to shoulder. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but I'm just so honored to share time with you and hear more about your work, about your exploration of um, cellular transitions. And I would just love to hear more about, yeah, what you're developing and what kind of brought you to this incredible place. Um, and before we get into it, we were also touching on the fact that Benita actually collaborated with my fiance <laughs> ages ago too. And not um, knowing, yes, what where the road would lead. Yeah, <laughs> here it is. Here we are back again. It's all it's all weaving together. Um, mm -hmm. And you were sharing um, that that he offered some lyrics for some songs that you were recording. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Because you share because you were you were just telling me before we started like, oh, there's this lyric that's still in my mind, you know, it always pops up into my mind, like just at random moments. The, the specific lyrics that repeat in my memory are, the road ahead turns away from me, fearfully certain of intimacy. My heart is heavy. Uh, my feet are weary from too much distance to know. And it just reminds me, this, this was written by Sean, your fiance, and I incorporated it into a song that I collaborated on with Simeon Bittman. And yeah, I just, I really loved those lyrics so much. I loved that poetry so much. And it does align with this idea of being in transit, being on a journey, um, feeling every step of the process of that journey, um, being present in each moment, feeling the sensations in my body, in my mind, on my heart, in my spirit, the weight on my feet. Um, yeah, not knowing the future. <laughs> and, and that's just, that is, that is where I'm at right now. Um, and I sense a lot of people are in that place right now with the future kind of you know, just clearly being different <laughs> from the past that we've been living, vastly different from the past that we've been living. Um, so yeah, but that, that was Sean, that was Sean's contribution. And it's just really beautiful that we're now coming back together in this way through you. You were saying like now through the pandemic, like there's this new understanding of like what the future is and how we're moving towards it. What what is that perspective shift for you? Like for me, it's really about 
being my most authentic self mm. and like wherever I'm at in any given moment, embracing it, surrendering to the process of whatever is unfolding within me, whatever is awakening within me and just stepping courageously from that, from that space into the next. So that's really the core of it. Um, but also, you know, I, I've just always been a person that is focused on timelines. I love the past. I love history. I love ancestry. I love being close to my ancestors, to my family. I'm very curious about their experiences. I love stories. I love collecting stories. But I also love to envision the future. I love my dreams. I love my visions. I love to reimagine multiple possibilities. And then I also love being in my flesh in the present moment. I'm a very sensual human being. And so, you know, it just, I really feel like I'm living in all of these timelines simultaneously. And so all of the work that I create you know, it's drawing from that type of existence. It's drawing from, you know, the stories of the past. It's planting seeds for the future. It's enjoying every sensation that runs through my body in every awkward lived moment. <laughs> so, yeah. Cool. Um, and can you tell us a little bit more about what, helped you come to this expression, you know, cellular transitions, and how it's showing up in your work now? So I'll go back. I'll go back to 2011, the time which you were living in New York City, and we didn't know we were neighbors, um, to 2015. So in 2011, I was working folding clothing at a very popular consumerist uh, facility <laughs> in my neighborhood. And I was ready to make a shift. I did not want to work a survival job anymore. I was grateful for the position that I'd held for two years folding clothes. It was like a meditation for me. Like, each fold, I was doing it very carefully, making sure I was at a pace that I was comfortable with. It literally was a meditation for me. I'm not like being funny about that. That was what, that was how I approached that job. And it gave me time to just center myself. And I had this just epiphany that I was ready to not do any survival jobs anymore. Um, and I also was having that conversation with my partner, um, and telling him, maybe it's time for you to move on from the job that you're in, because I'm hearing you saying that you're ready for something new. So maybe it's time for both of us to take the plunge and do something new. And he did. He got a new position. Um, and I also quit that job. And I, my intention was to dive deeper into my life as a creative person to go back to uh, working as an actor. And I was writing scripts. I had several scripts that I was writing. 
and I found some sort of a program that was supporting women, mothers, um, urban mothers, low-income mothers. And this program wanted to support us in, you know, a, a new career path. But they would only support certain types of careers in the medical field or, you know, something functional, some sort of um, function that was valued by society. Um, and I wanted to do something with sound. I wanted to do a program that was dedicated to sound engineering, exploring the way sound is made, um, the psychology of sound, the impact of sound on our body. And they said that that was not anything that they could approve. <clears throat> it wasn't a practical thing to pursue. And they said they could only support something and they gave me a bunch of examples. One of them was to be a, you know, a dental assistant. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll choose that one. I kind of am a freak for teeth. I have a thing about teeth. I love teeth. <laughs> so I was like, I'll do that. <laughs> so I, um, I went through this one year program, got my certification and began dental assisting. And literally the third day at my first internship, this woman looked at me and she was like, this is not where you belong. You, this is not for you. <laughs> and it was real funny because, it was real funny. Universe is real funny. Because um, at this facility, I had to turn off my phone, obviously, and be fully present with the work that I was doing, assisting the dentist, taking x-rays, all of that. And that very day, the dentist said that they were not going to hire me also. And it wasn't that I was doing anything wrong. It was just clear. It was just so clear. In fact, the dentist was like, am I making a mistake in letting you go? I was like, no. No. And then, um, you know, after we had our meeting and she's like, you know, I'm not going to, you know, have you on full time. I turned on my phone at the end of the day and I had missed an audition from an agent that I'd been trying to work with for like four years. They finally called me in for an audition and it was like a big one and I missed it. And it was just really funny <laughs> because it was like, Bonita, you had the instinct to follow the direction of your heart, mm. but you buckled under this pressure to conform and to do the practical thing, the right thing. And you didn't fully follow through with that. And you should have. <laughs> and so that was the universe kind of like letting me know. Then a bunch of things happened after that, like sequentially. But I think it was all of these things kind of like just driving the point home for me. My partner was not enjoying his new shift because it actually wasn't, it, it was like both of us were kind of half-assing it. We were like, we wanted to go in a different direction, but we were tentatively, you know, pensively approaching that and like, kind of half doing it by picking things that were different, 
but still rooted in fear, the fear of like breaking away from the status quo. So he had taken on this position in Massachusetts away from me and the kids. We were in New York, he was in, in, in Boston or in the Boston area working for a big name company, but in a producer position. But he really wanted to be a director. <laughs> he was like producing behind the scenes, but he wanted to be directing. He wanted to be the creative and not the technical logistical person that he was um, hired to be. It was a much larger paycheck than he'd ever had before, but it was not fulfilling. And I was still like, you know, I was kind of half-assing it. I took on a different dental uh, position at a different location, but with this location, the, 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 um, the head dentist was allowing me to go off for auditions. But it was kind of like, mm-hmm. again, half-assing it. Like I would, he would let me leave the facility. He kind of let me carve out my own niche. So I wasn't only dental assisting, I was also doing like their advertising and stuff like that. And I was going for auditions when I had to leave, he'd let me leave, which was really cool. But it was still like, oh, I need the safety net. And then I had a bunch of things happen, loss of family members. And then my partner was diagnosed with cancer and it was stage four and it was fast and it took him. And that was profoundly impactful. You know, I, there was no more reason to fake what I wanted anymore because life is just too damn short for that. Mm. Um, and I have three children who need to make their way in life eventually. And I need to be the example for them about how to live authentically. And so that is what led me to this kind of like long drawn out purification process of coming into who I am as a person, the truth of who I am as a person, as a creator, um, and giving up on the whole idea of survival job or safety net and just diving right in. And I have not worked a survival job in years. I am a full-time creator. And not only am I acting, but I'm writing work. I'm challenging myself to go outside of my comfort zone. If anything at all interests me, I will just dive right into it, even if I don't know anything about it. And I will incorporate that into my process of creation. And just back, backing up a little bit, um, in 2017 is when I really started to, it started to come into my awareness that there were deep wounds that I needed to heal um, around my mothering, around how I was mothered, around how my mother was mothered, this very deep wound around the idea of mother, what it is to be a mother, what it is to be a nurturer, to be nourished. And so um, that was when I started becoming very curious about ancestry and healing and discovering epigenetics. how we carry forth some of the traumas of our ancestors, 
how certain things can become unlocked within us in certain situations, but how we can also reprogram ourselves to respond differently. And so that's where the idea of cellular transitions came from. The name came into my mind first, and then I Googled the name, and then I saw that it was actually directly related to this, like, this creative vision that I was developing in that moment, which was part ritual, part, you know, healing ritual and, and part performance. And so I created this work, this ritual called Cellular Transitions in which I bring people together and we witness each other. We share our stories from our maternal line. We remember the names of our mothers, our grandmothers. And if we don't remember them, we call upon them in ritual to speak to us. And right now I have one of my children speaking to me. What's up, buddy? <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to multitask while we talk. Okay. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, I'm going to make some lunch. Um, okay, so, great. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'll just pause for a moment if you have any question about anything I've said, because I just realized I've spoken straight for about, I don't know, 15 minutes now. <laughs> so. Be yes, and beautiful and impactful. And it, thank you so much for your gorgeous and authentic share. And I think so many of us can relate to kind of standing in this space, just going back to like being in a survival job, being in, a, in survival mode. And because of all of this deep programming that so many of us are raised in around whatever it is that you do, you need to contribute to society in a quote unquote meaningful way and you need to earn money and support yourself. And that's the most important thing. And that's what success is, right? But then mm -hmm. there's, like, then there's the, the, the heart and passion of the artist, right? The heart and passion of your divine awareness and knowing, right? Your, your, your God force, excuse me. And, mm -hmm. and part of you is like, no, there's more than this. There's more that I have to say. And so I, I'm so, um, I totally relate to this narrative that you're talking about because I was also a classroom teacher for 15 years and, you know, kind of standing in between like doing things that I felt passionate about and doing things that paid the bills and feeling like I was stuck between two worlds and wasn't fully expressed. And like you said, the universe is always there showing up for you like, no, it's this way, it's this way. And then, you know, kicking you further and further down, down, mm -hmm. like, realizing your truth. And, you know, um, sometimes the, that realization is really harsh and devastating. And it's, it's amazing to hear and feel, um, how your journey has now evolved into your, you know, being a working mother, a working artist, uh, a creator, and um, a spiritual facilitator. And it just kind of reminds me that you and I really are like still aligned in that way because so much of my journey has been around coming into the truth of me and healing matrilineal trauma, like healing the mother wound of like being stifled and not expressed and withholding, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And, yep. and then finding ways through 
um, through retreats, through creative collaborative theater experiences, like how can we release our own um, personal trauma? How can we release the narratives that hold us back? And then, mm -hmm. you know, co-create um, art, you know, from this space of, of clarity, right? From this space of not being weighted down. So yeah. your, your process sounds, um, you know, reminiscent of mine. I also like bring in um, breath work as well. Like I do a lot of deep um, transformational open mouth breathing to help mm -hmm. any stuck energy in the body um, as part of the creative process. And yeah. I'm, really, I'm really excited to hear more about, about your process and how, you know, you've seen it inform your work and transform your work as an artist and obviously transform your life. Like, like you said, you're making that shift into being all in and standing in the, like, in the full flow of your creative force. Um, how, how, you know, how is that unfolding for you now? Like what's the kind of work that's coming out and, and how are you supporting others in expressing themselves and releasing their gunk? So in 2017, I also came out, I quote unquote came out as an astrologer. I was always so shy. I was always so shy to share that with people because it's too woo-woo and like crazy and it's a silly pseudoscience that is not real in any way and does not contribute anything to society. And in 2017, I started posting about it and sharing and making videos, uh, you know, about my insights, um, you know, guided by the stars. And I started you know, providing that to people, that kind of guidance officially. Um, so I've been doing that now more, you know, as a service since 2017, whereas before I was doing it as a hobby, um, and just like talking with my friends about it. So that's a big part. And then, um, you know, in 2019, I came to learn about human design. I began to learn about human design, and I'm also integrating that into my practice. So between, you know, the astrology um, and these rituals where I am allowing for safety, for freedom of expression, for people to come together and witness each other, allowing for space for people to be vulnerable and share the pain, the, the joy, like all of who they are without judgment. Mm -hmm. That is what happened for me in the process of, of finding my own truth. Um, and I, I just, I just, I'm still, I'm in the process. I'm still in the process myself of learning how to do this. Right. I'm still learning how to do this in a way that people can really feel they can trust and be safe and open themselves up to all of it, to like the darkest parts of themselves mm -hmm. and, and know that it's all good, that whatever comes up, it, it may hurt them. It may hurt someone else, but even that is a part of the process because we just don't know what, 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 you know, bombs were setting off. Um, but how to do that in a way that will cause you know, just really like profound healing rather than cause more damage. I'm still in the process of learning that, how to do that. 
have you have you done any exploration around shadow work like like Carl Jung shadow work or talking about the shadow or loving up on the shadow yes now you know I've been really uh intrigued by how many people are coming to do sh what they actually call shadow work um and just how many people have come to that work over the past you know year and a half since we have been uh impacted by the pandemic mm -hmm. um i i really love that people are engaging with this in, in many different ways um there's so many different tools out there now to engage to to look at our shadow i feel that this is something that i've been doing uh in many ways my whole life mm -hmm. um you know, for those who know astrology speak, I, I, I'm born with my sun conjunct Saturn and Pluto is conjunct my north node. So it's like in my, in my design <laughs> to confront my shadows and to overcome um, my fears, to integrate them into who I am, to be whole in that way. So um, yeah, I, I, I I'm really pleased with how people are doing more of this or acknowledging that this exists and that it's a part of ourselves that we push down sometimes in our earliest moments of our lives as a way to survive because it made us safe at a certain time in our life. Mm -hmm. um, but then it became something else and now we need to meet it again and love it and reintegrate it in a healthier way. Right. And it's like anything that we have suppressed because of, you know, survival, like you said, eventually it's going to come up again. Eventually it's going to come to the surface and mm -hmm. it comes up to the surface after being like dormant for so long, it can be like startling and scary and painful. And then right. like you're in this practice of allowing it to arise and loving it. Like you said, nourishing it, being the mother to all of those dark, quote unquote whatever hard mm -hmm. heavy emotions that arise like oh what what do you have to tell me you know i'm sorry i haven't been listening i love you you know and so you're you're like in this practice right like all of us are uh, mm -hmm. loving up on those parts of you that might have been dormant or in pain and um I think that's such a beautiful practice and an amazing exploration to invite anyone that you're collaborating with artistically to be in, right? Like, yes, we're yeah, and it's yeah. it's hard. It's hard to be in that place of mm -hmm. when when you're in collaboration with others because we all have our wounds, we all have our traumas, and we all have those shadowy parts, and so sometimes they our our shadows collide they conflict and it brings up a lot i always see it as an opportunity to go deeper into that um and i actually had um in in early 2020 um to june of 2020 a really big collision with that in collaboration with a group of people and it was a very very painful experience ending with me actually being um cast out from within that environment oh and because you wanted like more to come to the surface and they weren't ready to do that or that that is that is how i experienced it and what i wanted to do more of specifically in terms of 
um, practices that are rooted in white supremacy, which I think is like a big part of the shadow work, collective shadow work that the United States mm. um, still needs to do and has been doing a bit yes. since the events of 2020. Right. Um, so it kind of came to a culmination point, to a, like to a peak uh, explosion, literally right after, um, you know, Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, and of course, George Floyd mm -hmm. um, were murdered. Mm -hmm. I was really pushing to have those hard conversations and even bring in um, experts who are trained in facilitating those kinds of conversations and was met with tremendous resistance. Mm -hmm. and, and, it, and it ended up in a very painful separation. Mm -hmm. um, but also a very necessary separation because it has allowed, and this is the part, this is the juicy part. <laughs> this is what I, I love. Yeah. Even those painful experiences, even those collisions, when you're doing shadow work in a collective, even those painful things, those painful moments lead you closer to the authentic path. And for me, what happened ever since that experience has helped me unfold even more, digging deeper into my practice of uh, human design, guiding more people in that way, but also unleashing even more aspects of my creativity that I didn't even know were hidden in me along with my shadowy parts. So um, I just, I've seen so much growth <laughs> in myself, in my life on multiple levels spiritually but also in the physical realm um, that I'm very proud of and it would not have happened had I not had that collision with the um, you know the, the group of people that I was um, with at that time. Mm. Yeah it, it's it's remarkable how when you're in those situations that are so painful and and feel so rife with the drama or you're you're playing out you know like you were talking about sort of this like ancestral reckoning you know in the dynamic and then you're like you said cast out now you've got all of the all of the you know it's like it's like when you're when you've got all this pressure right and then after the pressure come come the jewels come the diamonds right it's like mm -hmm. pressure right this pressurized pain oh, drama field experience and now boom here I am on the other side of it and I have this awareness about how I want to communicate my values and how when I communicate my values that draws my my soul family to me right and that mm -hmm. yes allows me to yep. continue to be in the flow of creation and not in a space of resistance and and you know, yes and it's so funny that you used that metaphor of the, the diamond, how it comes, because part of what I was working on at that time with that collective was a piece um, based on the Audre Lorde poem called Cole, oh. in which she uses that metaphor as well <laughs> in the poem. My voice is shaking right now because I'm just so on fire with, um, you know, how in alignment <laughs> this whole conversation is and how we are. It's, it's beautiful for you to get that clarity, like this is who I am as an artist now. And these are my mm -hmm. 
and this is what I'm putting forward. And I'm not just ready to like give everybody a script and have people show up and stand in one place and I stand in another place and we say things to each other. Like I want yeah. whatever it is that live it. We're living it. We are living it. <laughs> yeah. This is work that is coming from our process of unfolding. And that is the type of creative work that I am putting forth right now. And 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 I like to work in collaborative forms that allow for people to share their imprint, you know, for them to really step up into whatever it is that their gift is, that they feel they have to give and bring that, all of it to the table. That type of collaborative, um, um, uh, you know, relationship is, is what, I, I'm trying to foster with my my work and encourage other people to engage in. So yeah, how can we show up and be our full creative and fully creatively expressed selves um, authentically, you know, together? And how can we fit together as pieces of a, a beautiful puzzle, you know? And not all puzzle pieces fit right. And you know what I mean? Like there's there's certain places certain people that we are meant to intermingle with and you know the more authentic we are the more we show up as ourselves the more we draw those people to us like you said so yeah beautiful and th and this is like the exploration of, of an artist the exploration of um a, a soulpreneur a spiritual seeker like anyone who is on this path you're you're always going to be going further and further out on your edge of awareness and further further out on your edge of authenticity because you know that the deeper you can go in your own exploration the more you can support other people in their exploration and the more that you can foster these larger scale safe collaborative artistic experiences, spiritual experiences, you know, the whole thing. You you've got to mm -hmm. you've got to be committed to your process, right? To yeah, to support others in coming through theirs. And like these these are the skills that unfortunately are not I mean they're starting to become more and more in the mainstream, you know, they're mm -hmm. Going to be more of these conversations like you were saying around the shadow around authenticity around the power of vulnerability around you know showing up and and sharing your truth without fear but it's still something that is is new to us collectively and we have to support each other in the practice of it and yes did you the i don't know if you read the New York Times or get the New York Times newsletter, but I happened upon one today um, where, you know, the, 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 the writer was talking about how um, people are quitting their jobs or not returning to work. Mm. Um, and, you know, how that is contributing to the supply chain issues that were quote unquote issues that we're having right now. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> and the shortages of people, why groceries lines are, are long and restaurants are um, slow or, or limited hours. I found that really interesting because um, one person interviewed in the article saying, you know, it's not that I don't want to work. Uh, it's that I want to work you know better i want to work where i am my work is valued i i, I don't want to work just any kind of you know job that's just going to pay me bare minimum to get by or barely and um 
you know, so people are reevaluating their relationship to work, what work actually even is. Why should we, why do we do it? How do we do it? Do we need to live in such an intensely consumerist society? Mm -hmm. Do we need to be going to all the restaurants, buying all the things on the, you know, the online stores? Do we need so much stuff? Mm. Um, uh, so, you know, I think that's part of the journey that we're on right now. And it's, and I think it's also connected to um, our, our own deeper shadow work. Um, because, you know, all of these urges to acquire things, to accumulate, to buy, 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 it's all, you know, filling a space that we have not healed, you know, when we're, when we're operating from this place of having to consume so much. So um, I, I think the work is, you know, it's, we're in process, we're in transit, yeah. we are moving through, and it's, we're not even close to the end of the road. Um, there's so many layers to unlock. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I feel collectively that's where we're at. What's your feeling about that? About that as it, you know, what, what's your feeling about the, sh the shadow of consumerism? Um, I think I agree with everything that you're, you're saying, you know, we're, we are coming into this stage of deep reckoning. I think there are some people who are like, like okay now that the pandemic is over let's just let's just forget about it and keep going you know business as usual and not really yes. not use it as a as a wake up call that things need to be reorganized right and then there are mm -hmm. others who are yeah have uh, crossing this threshold like oh there's another way i can live my life i don't have to yeah. do i don't have to do the 9 to 5 i don't need to have all the things like I don't need to live uh, from home, you know, with my Amazon delivery and all these things like, but so I think I've seen some people who are using this time and momentum as like an opportunity to start to deeply reorganize the way they do their lives. And then there are others who are still stuck and, and, you know, wanting things to just be as they are and not think about it and not worry about it. And that's, you know, unfortunately in America, we have this um, collective numbing culture, right? Where we're mm -hmm. like, we're consuming because that's what we've learned is mm -hmm. happiness, right? That's like the, the deep indoctrination, right? This is what's happy. This is what happiness is. This is what success is. It's having everything and buying everything and going out for meals and taking photos of ourselves doing things. And this is happening. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. this is consumerism. And I was actually listening to a conversation about like, you know, social media, like as this adult or well, as this, as this game that we play to earn points, right. To earn yes. points in our life. Yeah. It's, we're just consuming, we're consuming each other's media. We're consuming all the things that are around us. We're numbing ourselves. Right. But yes. that means that we're not then available for the real work in our lives, the real transformational work that actually creates authentic happiness. Abundance, yeah. Authentic yeah. happiness, authentic abundance that doesn't have anything to do with money. <laughs> yeah, it's a feeling. It's 150% a feeling of like being alive, being connected being connected to something bigger than ourselves and 
yeah and, and like that we are a part of that something bigger like we're all connected I think that's what we're all you know striving for is to feel that deep sense of connection yeah. and and you know social media was at first you know it seemed like a, a you know a beautiful way to do that but it's you know like you've just kind of illustrated a beautiful illusion of connection of like being able to be connected to people um across the world <laughs> um and in insight onto their you know inner workings but you know it's not real it's it's a fabrication I'm really like diving into this, this, like, you know, what social media has become and I'm, I'm interested, I'm intrigued by blockchain technology, um, decentralization. I'm interested in augmented reality, virtual reality spaces and our relationship to these spaces, the impact of it on our children, the impact on it, uh, um, uh, of, people of color, uh, that it has on people of color, on people who are immigrants. I'm really intrigued by all of that. And, and so that's kind of like, that's what I'm researching right now mm. for another project that I'm working on called Seeking Truth, which um, it's actually another one of these things where I'm, I'm looking back in time, but I'm also looking forward in time and I'm assessing where I'm at in the present moment. <laughs> um, Seeking truth is about uh, sojourner truth. Mm -hmm. um, it, it looks at her life and particularly focuses on the fact that we've come to know her through her Ain't I a Woman speech, of which there are two versions. There is the version that was transcribed by Francis Gage. And there was a version that was printed just a few weeks after it was given um, in the anti-slavery bugle. Francis Gage's transcription was done like 12 years later. Both versions were transcribed. They were not Sojourner writing down what she said. We had no recordings or video then. We only had these people who were, um, you know, re rewriting history for us to then read later on. Mm -hmm. And so we have these two different versions that survived of her speech, but the more popular version is the one that really distorts who she was. Um, the speech is written in a vernacular that most people have construed as Southern. And Sojourner was enslaved in the North in Ulster County and spoke Dutch for the first nine years of her life. Right. She didn't have a Southern accent. And it changed some of the details of her life. Frances Gage gave her like 13 children. <laughs> And she only birthed, you know, she only birthed five. Um, and so it's like, why were these details of her life arbitrarily changed? What was the agenda? Um, so I'm examining how um, important it is for us to tell our own story. Um, I'm looking at how Sojourner uh, approached how her story was told when she couldn't read or write, how she used image, how she sold these postcards with her own image and on this these postcards these carte de visites it said i sell the shadow to support the substance so she would sell these postcards so that she'd be able to tour to support her tours where she was speaking about equality you know for people who are enslaved and for women um and 
she only wanted to be photographed because she knew that if people were painting her, they would be able to distort her image. So she wanted to be photographed and she made sure that she was very conscious of how she was presented in those photographs. She styled her photographs, you know, she was very, very, um, uh, you know, decisive in the way her, her image was going to be portrayed. Um, and so I, I'm kind of looking at her but I'm also examining how we look at history and how we can, uh, you know, be in control of our, our digital legacy too, as we move forward into the future, um, which is like a wide range of things that I'm trying to cover all in this one piece called Seeking Truth. <laughs> so um, it's a lot, but that's, that's, I just, I'm really fascinated by, uh, how we are entering into the space where we're controlled by algorithms and, mm. you know, and we are uh, really putting forth, I mean, you see all these filters that people use and in, in TikTok or Instagram or whatever to make themselves look different from how they actually, you know, physically look in person. And I'm just really playing with all of that and utilizing these technologies in the presentation of this new work that I have coming out uh, that focuses on Sojourner's story and her words. And can you tell us a bit more about, because you said now like you're, you are this working artist. So what is this uh, program that you're creating work through now? What is this uh, residency? Can you speak about that? Yeah, so I'm in residence at Loisida uh, Inc., which is located on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Loisida is the slang term for Lower East Side. I'm a Lower East Sider. <laughs> so Loisida Center um, has graciously given me access to their space and to their community to be able to create this interactive work. Um, it will actually be held within the metaverse, I'm, I'm holding it in a virtual space. I'm um, going to gather people together from within the Loisida community, but also beyond to look at digital artworks that are you know, playing with this idea of distortion and playing with the, uh, um, the idea of how we can tell our stories as we move forward, digital legacy. It's also full of uh, historical documents um, from the Library of Congress about Sojourner's life, really important pivotal moments in her life, photos of Sojourner Truth, and then there's a film element. We will all enter the space as our avatars. We will be able to engage with each other and with the artwork. I have, I will be facilitating um, exercises that people will do in the space <laughs> um, as our avatars coming together and sharing our perspective of the work that we're seeing. Um, and Loisida, you know, like I said, they're, they're, they provided me the resources um, and the space to be able to shoot some of the film elements I was able to shoot there on location. And I'll be presenting this to many members of their community. But as I said, it's also open to people beyond their community as well. And, and when will that be? So the first presentation for Loisida is November 19th, and then I have the public um, unveiling on December 19th. Uh, and 
the way Altspace, which is where I'm hosting it, is designed, uh, only 50 people can enter a space at a time. So I will have multiple showings. The first one will be on December 19th. Uh, I'm sorry, December 17th. Um, then I will have one on the 18th and on the 19th, and I'll have two a day. So multiple experiences for people to take part in. Awesome. And, and if anyone from out of New York wants to explore this piece, is it possible? How would they do that? Yes, yes. So basically, you know, some information is going to be present on the Loisida website where you can register um, for their event, but also, um, you know, follow me on Instagram um, at FrenchLeave62317 or BonitaOliver.com is my website. I am in the process of transitioning my website to um, a decentralized website, but for now, that's where you can find me, BonitaOliver.com. So that's how you can keep abreast of, you know, the events when they'll be happening. Um, but yeah. Awesome. I, I, I hope people will really think about our digital imprint and how we can, because we are moving into a digital future. I mean, it's, it's already upon us. Mm -hmm. I have three kids. I see how they engage with technology and how schools are now embracing that in a different way than when I was in school. So it is, it's like just a part of their life in a way that it isn't for anyone born before the internet was a thing. <laughs> I mean, I think for me, internet use didn't really even come fully into play until I was like in college and cell phones were still pretty new. Not everyone had one. I remember uh, in college walking around a friend uh, was granted a cell phone for um, a project she was working on and she just was like feeling like she was hot shit having the cell phone. So that is my generation, right? Like these kids are growing up in a totally different space and, and an engagement level with technology that we are not, um, yeah, that we, we, it's not as much a part of our existence as it is for them. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm trying to do with this piece is get people to think about ways to engage with technology that is really rooted in authenticity and, and, and like, you know, sharing who we really are, mm -hmm. as well as like being responsible for um, the way we share history and again, like I said, the legacy that we want to leave. Can you tell us a little bit more about who Sojourner Truth is? I didn't even know really who Sojourner was um, outside of the Ain't I a Woman speech. I learned about her a little bit in high school. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I learned about her and Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass. And then, uh, like, you know, the civil rights movement, Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King. <laughs> so those are the people that I learned about um, who were really powerful figures who also happened to be Black and contributing to the U.S. history. And the history that I received was just skewed and not, I mean, like I said, the, yeah. the speech that I learned was the Francis Gage version. Um, and I didn't know that there was another one that existed. I didn't know that she didn't write the narrative of Sojourner Truth, really. You know, I didn't know who she was. I just knew that she stood for women's rights and that she was against slavery. Right. I didn't know that this was a woman who back then, she was born in 1797. She died in 18, uh, 1883. Um, 
at the age of 86, I believe. Yes. So she was, she was really in tune with the power of her voice and, and like speaking into reality. The, you know, like she understood that there was an energetic frequency mm-hmm. tied to her voice. Mm-hmm. She understood that we are what we think. You know, I think she even has a quote that is very similar to that. Wow. Um, she one day just decided this is what this is what moved me to want to dig deeper besides the fact that she was very you know uh conscientious about how her image was being used and how she was going to spread her message i was also just really like sold on you know exploring her when i learned that she freed herself she walked to freedom she didn't want to run because she just knew that it was right for her to be free. And she just decided one day, I'm just going to leave. (laughs) And so she did that with her daughter, Sophia, who was about one on her arm. And then about a couple years later, uh, when her son who was still enslaved was sold away to a person many states away from her, she just decided I'm going to take a white man to court, get my son back, on the grounds that it is illegal to sell away a child under the age of nine so far from their parent. And she won. She was the first Black woman to take, uh, to to go to court for this and win. Um, So those were the things about her story, this, this embodied, empowered human being who understood the power that she had within herself to change to change herself, to change her situation, to change the world. Mm. I think it's very relevant for these times that we're living in. And so that's, that's why I wanted to focus on her. And that's a little bit about who she was, but I encourage everyone to read up about her. And there's a great book um, by Nell Irvin Painter that really um, gives a more critical analysis of the way her history has been recorded and digs deeper into who she was, but also read the narrative of Sojourner Truth as well. Amazing. That sounds like an incredible exploration and I can't wait to see how it unfolds. Uh, Yes, I hope you'll come into the space. (laughs) We be there for sure. I'm just really excited to reconnect with you and I'm so grateful for you to share your time and all of the, the journey of your soul that brought you to this incredible expression where you are now this threshold and I'm really excited to see how it all unfolds for you now that you're like going deeper and deeper into your soul path um it just I am too I'm so excited I'm excited to see where all of us are going you know I really I mean it's just such a fruitful time right now and everywhere I look people at least the people that are in my, in my sphere, you know, they're doing some kind of work on themselves, some kind of awakening, some kind of blossoming is happening. And how is this going to impact our children? How is this going to impact future generations? The work that we're doing now, 
this moment that we've all co-signed on to be born at this moment in time to all of us be alive right now at this this time of like massive change it's it's just so exciting to me so i'm really yeah i'm really curious to to follow along with everyone and see what unfolds and what we co-create Thank you again to my incredible guest today, Benita Oliver. My wish is that this conversation inspires you to go fully and freely and boldly in the direction of your self-expression, of your deepest heart's calling, and go gift yourself into the world. To find out more about Benita's upcoming work, Seeking Truth, please go to www.benitaoliver.com. And looking so forward to tuning with you again next time for more conversations, more unfolding on how we all go gift ourselves into the world. Be well.